Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I am your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, and I am joined by my talented co-host in Seattle, Nick Polak. Nick, it's been a while. How are you? I'm great. I'm actually glad you said that right off the bat here, because speaking of where I'm located in Seattle, there I, I've, I know I've said this before, a very odd number of Seattle listeners on the Apple podcast stats. So first of all, if you are one of those people, please tweet at me at the real end Polak. I want to know who you are. I want to know where you are. Maybe we can grab a beer, watch a Penn State game at some point. But secondly, if you are out here, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you are also a fan of the beautiful and perfect Seattle Mariners. And if so, come to No Boat Brewing in Snoqualmie tomorrow, Friday at uh, 12 noon, and let's watch the Mariners playoff game together. Wow. Are they a sponsor? If not, they should be. They're not, but they could be. They could yeah. be. Wow, look at us, Nick. Our baseball teams had the two longest playoff droughts in the MLB heading into the year. Uh, and now we, we pass that off to the evil Los Angeles Angels, who are ruining Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and also ruined Albert Pujols and Josh Hamilton. So... Yes. Good for the they Angels. They also, there is somebody else who is tied with them for the longest drought. I don't remember who off the top of my head. Now. Tigers. Uh, but yes, Tigers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. The Angels are terrible. If you are a fan of the Angels, you should feel bad. Also, you don't <laughs> exist because they don't have fans. So, um, yeah, they, I, that is very much the, the added bonus of the Mariners finally breaking their streak is passing it on to the Angels who are just, just the worst in every way. Well, we won't spend too much more time talking about Major League Baseball uh, or even a but we Penn, could we could or even a Penn State game. As we all know, Penn State is on a bye this week, so we get to relax a little bit. So we're going to focus on Penn State's true freshman class. I think, Nick, you're in the same boat as me and that you think this class has been a revelation this year. I have it pulled up in front of me already. One, two, three, four, five, six, six guys have burned their red shirt through the minimum number of games required to burn a red shirt. All of last season, two freshmen burned their red shirt for Penn State, Kalen King, Jalen Reed. So we're seeing a really big change in how Penn State handles their true freshmen. So we're going to break it down. So right off the bat, Nick, we'll jump in with the six true freshmen who have already burned their red shirt. And we'll start, I guess, with the running backs. We'll lump them together. Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. Did you expect them to perform as well as they have? And, you know, now that the the training wheels, I guess, are officially off, what are you looking to see going forward? I expected both of them to perform well. Um, I think anybody would be lying if they said they expected this level of performance from them because they've been outstanding, especially Katron Allen. I mean, I was I was really high on Katron Allen coming into this season anyway. Mm-hmm but he's even been better than what I assumed. I was Nick Singleton. I'm not surprised has been awesome right out of the gate. You know, he's just everything about him screamed that he was going to be a very early contributor. Um, But I think, you know, the thing we talked about with Katron Allen as he was, when he was a recruit was, yeah, he's not as fast as Singleton. He's not like, he's not like as big as like a typical bruising back, but what he has is incredible vision. And that's been on display from the very first snap. Um, Honestly, like going forward, I don't think it would be a bad bet to say that Katron Allen ends up leading this team in rushing yards. Um, Ooh, yards or attempts? Yards. I I think that he, I, I, I really think that he, 
like I, I think they will continue. I, I think their I best formula going forward is going to be to use Katron Allen early in games. Not not to say that Nick Singleton shouldn't be in early in games also, but I think the best option here is to use Katron Allen and use his vision to wear down defenses because he's going to be someone that's going to be able to find holes and make things happen in the running game, even against good defenses, even on days where the offensive line isn't doing its best work and just continue to soften up defenses and then let Singleton just run wild once those holes start to really open up. Um, but yeah, I, I adore what we've seen from Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. Like they've, they've both been fantastic. Yeah. I, I, the thing I'm surprised about is the balance we're seeing. I have it pulled up right here. Singleton leads the way with 63 carries. You know how many Allen has so far this year? You know how far off he is? 61. 57. He's only six carries off. Hmm. I really thought we'd see Singleton come out there and take control of that room. And the fact that it hasn't been the case has been just a big testament to both of those guys. And the thing that's also really interesting to me is the way they're running. I have it pulled up right here. Singleton's lost 17 yards. And when you're a big play back, that's going to happen. You know, there's going to be ones that you try to bounce that you get bottled up in. But Catron Allen mm-hmm. has only lost five yards all season. That's that's a pretty impressive clip for a guy that they've used even like that that weird toss counterplay, which is really mm-hmm. designed for home run hitters. The fact that they're doing it with Allen and he's going out there and gaining yards has been really impressive. So I think this is a uh, this is a really exciting group, and and I never really thought we'd see this at Penn State because we saw. Barkley and Andre Robinson never had this kind of combination. Barkley and Sanders never had this combination. We kind of saw it with Noah Kane and Journey Brown, but I think the line with with how different of a back they are, Singleton and Allen I'm talking about now, is starting to blur a little bit. I think we saw Singleton, you know, kind of become more of a power back in certain situations against Northwestern, that play where he scored where he just put his head down and got the yardage, I thought was something we wouldn't see from him until he was a sophomore. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see that that duo grow and evolve. I, I'm really impressed with them. Yeah, they're they're learning from each other. They are, you know, they came in with very distinct styles, mm-hmm. and that's the mark of a good player. Is if you can, you know, if you can take what your teammates do and apply it to your own game and learn from it, and that's what they're both doing. It's you can see them both growing by the snap. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll stick on the offense here and, and maybe go to the guy. I think we're both most surprised to see burn a redshirt at this point, I think is fair to say. And that's Amari Evans, early enrollee, converted high school quarterback and still waiting for a deep threat to emerge for this Penn State offense. And I think Amari Evans is maybe making the biggest push for that to be him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I, I don't think I would have necessarily been surprised if you had told me he was going to burn his redshirt this quickly. However, I would have thought it would have been primarily as a kick returner or punt returner. Mm, okay. um, I agree that I'm surprised how much he's gotten in on the offense so far. I, I mean, I, the circumstances do matter. Like Penn State has had a lot of opportunities to get backups and reserves into the game, so that right. definitely plays a part in it. But like you said, he was in the game. He's been getting in the game earlier and earlier mm-hmm. and Penn state has not, especially now with Keandre Lambert Smith hurt and maybe, I mean, we don't really know what's going We're not going to get an injury update from Franklin during a bye week, let alone a normal game week. Um, so if Keandre Lambert Smith is down for any amount of time, like I, I think, I, I think still think Harrison Wallace is probably going to be the first one to get the chance at really taking that role, but it's clear mm-hmm. that they trust Evans to some degree um, 
to at least be able to run with the ball in space. So I, I'm really curious to see what his role is going forward because he can be a difference maker because Tinsley and, and Parker Washington are both great receivers, not really stretch the field type guys as we've talked about on the podcast, but Evans can definitely be that guy. I don't want this to turn into a, a guessing game between you and me as I have the stats pulled up. Do you know? But do you know how many catches Amari Evans has through five games? And again, this is a guy I don't think I expected at least to have his red shirt burned. But do you know how many catches he has? Hmm. Seven? It's two. Hmm. He's caught two I was gonna, balls. I was going to guess three originally, but then you, you, you psyched me out. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he's caught two balls for 30 yards. That's, that's pretty low for a guy whose red shirt was burned like if we think back to receivers that have burned their red shirt in this era it actually might only be Jahan who played his way into that role by getting the ball in his hands Evans clearly just has it like there's something there that we're we haven't seen yet on the field and I'm not saying that in the sense that he, he doesn't deserve to be on the field but he's on the field for a reason I think that's abundantly clear and I'm curious to see how that role evolves as um, this offense looks for more guys to make plays. Because let's face it, Strange, Tinsley, and Washington aren't going to be enough to get them over the hump. I think they need one or two more guys, and maybe Evans can be that. The staff clearly thinks he has the ability to, and I think once he makes that one big play in a big moment, everything is going to come together for him. I do think it's relevant to point out, too, that... um at this point with the way college football is with the transfer portal and how quickly guys can move on and whatnot. I don't think that the decision to redshirt or not redshirt at this point, and this is leaving offensive linemen to the side just because that's a different beast. Um, but I think, I think all you really have to do at this point in order to at least be in a position to burn your redshirt, not that you necessarily will, that's more dependent on game flow and whatnot. But I think the big, differentiator at this point is not necessarily like do you think they can make an impact it seems to me like it's more just becoming like do we trust you to do what the play is asking you to do like i think it's more just like a have you picked up the offense or have you picked up the defense at this point because like yeah like would it be great to richard amari evans and him for four years after this yeah what are the chances he was going to stay for four years for five total years though if he's not you know, if, if he's somebody who can grasp grasp the playbook immediately, like it seems like he can, like that's the kind of guy that's probably not sticking around if he's playing. So I, I think it's just a, a different, I think it's a different equation at this point. I think it's more a matter of, are you going, can you be counted on rather than are you going to come in and be like a home run hitter right from the get? Yeah, that that's probably a, a healthier way, I guess, to look at the redshirting process in 2022 in that it's dudes aren't going to stick around forever anymore. So if if they can help yeah. you get on the field, throw them out there. That, that's that's a good place to be. So let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball. And I don't want to lump any of these guys together. So, Nick, I'll let you take your choice on who you want to talk about first. Zane Durant, Deny Dennis Sutton or Abdul Carter. Um, I'll talk about Deny Dennis Sutton. Yeah. I I believe does he still lead the team in sacks? I believe he does. I, last I he, I know he had three. I don't remember if he got one against Northwestern or not. He is um, currently in first place, uh, with three sacks for twenty-one yards, and in second place is Johnny Dixon, and third is a tie between like five dudes. 
And that's not to say that I think Deny Dennis Sutton is the best um, on the team in terms of getting into the backfield or anything like that. He's not. It, Chop and Adisa, I think, are both still much better players than Dennis Sutton is at this point. But it's really nice to see. Like, I, I don't think anybody expected Deny Dennis Sutton to be someone to come in and right away and be like an impact player on the defense immediately. I think there was an expectation that he's always going to play, mm-hmm. but I don't think there was this idea that he was going to, you know, burst onto the scene with nine sacks as a true freshman. He really hasn't um, played in a couple years, right? Because Maryland canceled their 2020 season. And he was hurt early in 21, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is pretty astonishing that he's coming out there like this with how rusty he probably must have been. Yeah, and I mean, he the fact that he is huge definitely plays to his advantage. Like, he came in looking like a college senior, essentially. Um, but yeah, he's. I think he's not, he's not the one that's flashed the most. I, I, I'm being kind and leaving Abdul Carter to you here, but... Um, he has been really, he's been really fun to watch. And I think that I'm not necessarily sure that he's ever going to be like a, like a 12 sack guy or anything like that. But I think he's going to be someone that teams really, really quickly realize they need to double team. I think he's going to be a guy that's a force in the run game as well. So, um, just really encouraged by his progress overall so far. Yeah, and I think his role is only going to increase now with Smith Vilbert officially ruled out for the year. I think he's just going to get yep. more and more reps. And you kind of threw me a lob there, so I'll take it. And I'll run with Abdul Carter, uh, who I think if he was not ejected from the Purdue game for a pretty egregious targeting call, if you ask me, uh, he would probably lead Penn State in tackles right now. He is currently second behind Jair Brown. Uh, Brown has 25. Carter has 18. I think Carter probably could have gotten pretty close to Brown's numbers. If he had played a full game against Purdue, uh, he's, he's been the biggest surprise to me of anybody in this freshman class. Um, I forget if I already said that for Evans, in which case I walk that back 20 minutes after saying it. And now I go with, uh, Abdul Carter. Uh, this is a guy who didn't even early enroll. He got here in the summer, picked up the playbook incredibly click quickly, and is just proving to be the best athlete, maybe on Penn state's defense. I think he is really, coming into his own in a Parsons-esque way. And I I think it was Bill who made the point with, they gave him number 11 for a reason. Maybe this shouldn't have been a surprise based on the fact that he rocks, you know, he rocks the six. So he's a guy that they have to have on the field, especially going into the Michigan and Minnesota games with how run heavy they are. Abdul Carter has to be a guy you have on the field at the same time as Curtis Jacobs. I think that's a beyond fair point. Would you agree? Yes, I am still unsure of how they do that, but I think it is it would behoove them to find ways to get them both on the field. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think he's a guy who is going to break out with a humongous play in this next stretch of three games for Penn State because Penn State's going to be nationally televised in a big spot their next three weeks. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs. And the last time Penn State was in like a truly quote-unquote, must-watch game. It was the CBS game, and Carter went out there and made plays over and over again. So I'm excited to watch him continue to do that. And I think he's a guy who, I I think, on three, ranked him as their second-best true freshman so far this year behind Starks, the safety from Georgia. And if you would have told me the second-best true freshman in the country was on Penn State's roster, I would have gone through about four or five other names 
uh, in the preseason before I went to Abdul Carter. And that's, that's a great coaching job by Manny Diaz. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's been really impressive to watch. No doubt. And then I'll give you, I'll give you maybe your favorite member of the recruiting class in Zane Durant. I do love me some Zane Durant. Um, I think overall his, I, I, I mean, he's, he's certainly more of a depth piece right now than anything else. I think, um, that's not to say that he, I mean, he clearly has the opportunity to continue working his way up the totem pole if he is able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- yeah, right now, I, I think it's just he's his role is definitely more of a you know tertiary piece when it comes to the defensive tackles. Um, but you know, we heard that the coaching staff was raving about him all offseason, and he's backed it up. Like normally, true true freshman defensive tackles are like that's not typically a position you see true uh, true freshman make an impact in. So it's uh, Mustafer, the only one I can think of who done it, who didn't redshirt prior to this, right? Of the Franklin era, I think so. From what I can remember, I think that's accurate. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I I don't think that he's you know necessarily going to have a huge impact this year, aside from you know providing good play when the starters are not in, which is very valuable. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this season is, you know, just more of a precursor for what's to come for him than anything else. So yeah, impressed by him as well. Just awesome to see, awesome to see these guys contributing already. Yeah. The Kazire Izzard return kind of throws Durant's role into a bit of flux. So I think he's got to be yeah. battling now for the fifth spot with Jordan Vandenberg. So, Hey, if, if we're going five or six deep though, that's a great place to be. Yeah, I think it could end up maybe eventually, you know, depending on how his play progresses throughout the year. I don't think it's out of the question to necessarily see like a third down package that has Beeman and Durant in there as the tackles. So we'll see. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. So those are the guys who have already burned their red shirt. No matter what, they're going to be on the field for Penn State moving forward. There's two players who are at the four game mark. Safety KJ Winston and quarterback Drew Aller. Nick, let's run with Winston first, because I didn't expect this at this point. I thought Winston would be a guy who got in in the Mac game so far, and not because we didn't hear good things about KJ Winston, but because of how talented that safety room is. It's already a true two deep with Brown, Ellis, Wheatley, and Reed. I'm just surprised that they found enough snaps for a fifth guy here. What do you think his role is? Do you think they put him on the back burner now and redshirt him, or do you think he's a guy who maybe goes that that Cabinda route and and plays a lot on special teams now and becomes a rotation piece. Yeah, I certainly don't think he's going to be on the back burner. I would be shocked to see him not continue to be an impact special teamer. Um, but I don't think his snaps at safety are going to go away necessarily. Like you okay. said, the there's a lot of safe, safety depth already with four you know, really high-end players at the position. Mm-hmm. So I think it would take a good bit of you know, kind of breaking down the door on his end in order to really get more playing time than what he's had. But um, I'm I'm not surprised that he's gotten to this point either. I mean, he was the, what he was the, um, whatchamacallit, the ugh, whatever the DMV player of the year award is called for the DMV area as yeah. a high school senior. So, you know, that's a really talent rich area. So clearly yeah. he's, you know, he's a baller. Like he's, he knows what he's doing back there really talented football player. I, if it wasn't like if one of those safeties that Penn State has now wasn't performing well, I don't think they would have any hesitations of slotting Winston in there, but that's a great problem to have. So yeah. no, I don't think he's going to be on the back burner or anything. I, I just, 
uh, if he earns more snaps going forward, it will only mean good things because it's it's meaning that he is, you know, truly supplanting someone, not that, you know, somebody not that not out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think your special teams points a good one. I think that's where he'll get a lot of his reps moving forward. And then we'll see what that turns into from there, because no matter what, Jair Brown's gone after next year. So a spot yeah. in that two deeps wide open. So uh, that's that's an interesting one to watch. And We've talked about Aller a lot. We won't spend too much time on it. I think you and I both agree he is not going to redshirt. True or false? Yes. Um, And I don't know how much he'll play the next three weeks, but I think we'll see more of him uh, in the event that Penn State takes a loss or two uh, and then hopefully in some blowouts later in the year. And do you even have anything else you want to add on the Drew Aller topic (laughs) before this quickly turns into 45 minutes of it? I feel very confident that Drew Aller will play more football this year. And that is as far as I'm willing to go in that conversation for today. Has he outperformed your expectations so far? Let's go. Let's do that. And then we can put it to bed because we would be remiss if we didn't mention um, that, I think. Uh, I guess maybe slightly. You know, I it's he's he's played such a limited amount and. It, you know, it's so hard to tell. It's so hard to evaluate college quarterbacks in general, um, especially midseason, you know, because we don't see the all 22 view, right? Like we don't know what they're leaving on the field. We don't know if they're what, like if when they're throwing downfield, we don't know if they're like making the best decision every time, unless the booth is then breaking it down after the fact. So um, I, I think he has, I, I will say I'm surprised that he, I, I'll, I'll, I'm surprised at how comfortable he looks. I'll say that. Like he doesn't, it, the moment doesn't look too big for him. Um, even when he had to come in in you know a legitimate, like game is on the line ish situation in against Purdue. You know, obviously it wasn't like the fourth quarter or anything, but that drive mattered. So um, I will, I will say I'm surprised at the poise he has shown while he's in there. But as far as you know, the arm talent, the ability to navigate the pocket, all that stuff. I I would have been surprised if he didn't look like that. You heard it here first. Nick Pollock wants Drew Allard to start over Sean Clifford. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I said. <laughs> I was going to say that no matter what you said. <laughs> All right, and then we're going to shift a little bit now to maybe the guys who are in more, not danger, but I guess trending towards preserving their red shirt. So I have, let me pull it up here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys who have played in at least one game. We'll start with Cam Miller, the cornerback out of Florida, who's appeared in three games so far. And this one is interesting to me because I think the staff would like to redshirt Cam Miller. And I think the opportunity is there considering the fact that Penn State has a lot of talented corners already playing a lot of snaps. I don't think I agree. I think they would have no qualms about burning Miller's redshirt, um, mostly because this secondary is so good that I think one, any of these guys could leave at any point for the NFL once they're eligible, but also two, like some of these really talented players that are maybe a step behind on the depth chart could very easily go elsewhere for a starting role that they might not have here. Um, so I, I think corner and defensive back in general, just with how loaded Penn state is at that position, I don't think that you can afford to not get guys experience if you think they're ready just because 
when you have a position group that is so loaded with talent, you just can't count on it, you know, being there. Um, you know, it's like, it's like the old NFL draft adage. Like people always knock teams for like, think back to the Broncos a couple of years ago when they drafted Bradley Chubb at number five overall, what it was. And people are like, well, what are you doing? You have, uh, they had a Von Miller and then, um, who they, Demarcus Ware? Is that who they had at that point? I was going to say Elvis Doomerville, but I think that's way before that. <laughs> that was before that. I I think it might have been Demarcus Ware. Regardless, they had two all-pro level defensive ends. People are like, well, why are you drafting Bradley Chubb? Those guys aren't going to be around forever. And with the transfer portal and the way everything is now, that's even it's even it's slanted even more heavily, I think, in favor of college now being more um, transient than the NFL is. So uh, I don't think they have any... I don't think they do or should have any qualms about playing cam miller um okay you know especially because you know if if he's good enough to get on the field in this group you know he's good like don't hold him back let him play yeah i guess my only qualm would be i don't think anybody in that corner room barring the transfer is gonna leave i mean porter's gonna go but uh i think dixon hardy and king would all be back and i think marquise wilson can still have some good stuff to put on tape so yeah he could yeah yeah well, that one's going to be an interesting one to watch. And I mean, then, keep in mind too that the next recruiting class, the position group they're heaviest on is defensive backs. So that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, eh, maybe, maybe plenty more talk, talent coming in. Maybe you talk me into it. Maybe he will. Maybe I will shift my my expectation there. And then we'll go to we'll go to Caden Saunders next, who's appeared in two games, top a hundred prospect, one of the best receivers in the class. Always a little bit smaller, but early enrolled. Penn State's looking for pass catchers. He's only appeared in two. Is this the is this the Jahan Dotson route of playing your way into more snaps? Um, so I know we had the one quote from James Franklin, or I think it was from Frank, whoever it was from. Maybe it was from Stubblefield, actually, about how um, maybe Saunders came in with a bit of an expectation that he would find more immediate success, whatever the quote was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, a you know, he's had to kind of put his hard hat on and figure things out a bit more than maybe he thought he was going to. Um, I think that Saunders is, is primed to be the kind of guy that has like a second half breakout and you see his snaps increase as the season goes on. However, I think the thing in his way is that he, at least right now, I think is still primarily best suited to be a slot receiver, which is, I think also still Parker Washington's best spot on the offense. So, I mean, that's not to say there aren't snaps to be had. We know they rotate a receiver. It's like if, if he performs, I think we'll see him in there. But with how important Parker Washington is to the offense, I think that just does cap kind of the potential for his snaps a bit. Um, but it really wouldn't, it would not surprise me to see him be a second half breakout guy. Okay. All right. I could see that happening. And then we'll group this, this group of five together. So there's five players who have appeared in one game. Christian Driver, Makai Flowers, Vega Iwane, Drew Shelton, and Keon Wiley. And I think it's fair to say that those guys are probably headed for red shirts. So let's let's flip up the question here a little bit. Who of this group could you see breaking through and burning that red shirt and having a starting role or even any kind of role? And who's the guy you're most surprised has gotten in a game already of this group? Um, I think Ione is the one I'm most surprised about. Okay. Um, just because you don't, you just don't often see freshman offensive linemen contribute 
in the first place. And you especially don't typically see it with guys that are, you know, not top 75 type recruits like Drew Shelton was, um, you know, being that Oana is from Washington and I know the area of Washington he's from, I would not call that a football hotbed. So it could definitely have been a case of just, you know, he was underrated in the, by the recruiting services. Um, but I think he's the one that's surprising to me. And I know it was just in a, you know, in a blowout situation, but still, like, I think that speaks to how highly they view him, which I think that in and of itself is a bit of an upset, you know, compared to, we know they have plenty of guys in that room and to see him be one of the ones to get out there was, um, I think surprising for me. Um, and your other question was, who do you think we could see play their um, way stepping up and yeah, play their way outside yeah, yeah. of the redshirt threshold. Um, I feel like, I feel like it's Christian driver. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And wow. I, okay. And, and it's, it's tough because he's a safety and we've already, you know, we've already spoken about how, how many good players they have at that safety position and, you know, including KJ Winston, who was presumably ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, but I think driver is probably ahead of Mackay flowers. I just don't think Shelton is going to like, again, offensive lineman, like the offensive line has been solid. I don't think there's a need to force him in there. Barring injury, you know, injury, obviously right. throws this whole thing out of whack, but um, like, I don't think it's Keon Wiley. I, I don't think that he's going to unseat any of the other, any of the other guys there to the point that he's going to, you know, make his presence felt. So I think it's driver, you know, maybe in a special teams capacity. And then maybe he, um, you know, kind of builds onto it from there. I don't think any of them are great bets to do this, honestly, mm-hmm. but if I had to pick one, I think it'd be driver. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty much going to flip it entirely. I, I'm most surprised okay. drivers gotten on the field so far. Uh, because I think they're still figuring out if he's a corner or if he's a safety. I know he played safety sure. in high school, but he's a corner on the roster. What does that really mean for a guy like him? Who's to say? Uh, and then the guy I think who could play their way on is I'm going to go with Drew Shelton because tackle is still a problem. I mean, Olu's playing great. He's getting first round mocks in certain dra- uh, certain mock drafts, but Shelton could easily you know figure out how to play right tackle. I mean, they cross train everybody pretty much, and if and if Efner goes down, if um, Caden Wallace goes down, if they're still not getting the job done the way they want, I, I could see them turning to Shelton, you know, maybe in game seven or game eight and trotting him out there, seeing what he offers them the final month of the year and in the bowl game. So I think Shelton's a guy I could see playing his way in. It's possible. Yeah. And then the last group, this is a group of seven players who have not yet appeared in a game destined for red shirts. And it's quarterback Bo Prabula. Punter Alex Baquetta, offensive lineman Malik McNeil, defensive tackle Caleb Artis, tight end Jerry Cross, and wide receivers Anthony Ivey and Tyler Johnson. Nick, just any general thoughts on this group? Uh, maybe anybody who could maybe play their way into a game or two. I think red shirts are definitely safe for this group, but just just overall thoughts on that little group. Um, I mean, overall thoughts, I don't think there's any surprises for me there as far as those guys not playing. I think if you had to pick somebody to maybe play their play their way on it'd be a receiver just because i think that's the position in this group that's most apt to be able to do that mm-hmm. um i think caleb artis is a developmental guy malik mcneil is i think we've heard good things about him but yeah. he's definitely still a developmental guy mm-hmm. um jerry cross i think has a bright future but he's still you know just 
too skinny. <laughs> he needs to get bigger. Yeah. Um, Prabula is not going to play this year, barring injury. Paquetta lost the job. A punter, Barney Amore has been amazing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, no surprises there. It's, I think that's pretty expected that we haven't seen any of those guys. I'll say I'll say I could see Baquetta uh, really later in the year. I think they want to make sure they secure his red shirt, um, especially, you know, un- hopefully Barney doesn't get hurt. Punters rarely do. But Baquetta is going to be the guy next year. And, and I don't think they want to send him out there for the first time at home against West Virginia next year. So maybe in late November, when the red shirts are already secure, get him out there to boot one or two, just so he has that experience going into next year with the red shirts secure. I think that's that's not unrealistic. We didn't see it happen with Sanders Zahedak last year, and I thought we would. So maybe it's wishful thinking. I don't know. Wishing about the backup punter in November is really sick of stuff. wasn't here last year, was he? Yeah, he was. He's a redshirt, redshirt, redshirt freshman. Are you sure? I guarantee it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe maybe Baquetta maybe gets on later in the year just so he doesn't go in cold turkey uh, because, you know, Amor has been great and is not losing that job. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. So, Nick, we're going to pass the baton to you. But first, I want to make sure I thank our podcast sponsor, Homefield Apparel. If you're a college sports fan on the internet, I know you're aware of Homefield. We've talked about them a ton. We both own a lot of gear. Neither of us are wearing Homefield gear right now because I am rocking a Chicago Bears uh, crew neck that I got. Uh, because, of course, go Bears. Homefield Apparel, though, premium collegiate apparel they're a brand out of indianapolis they're a big fan of the hoosiers who are taking on the men of michigan this weekend as a part of big new saturday and homefield have their own little campaign big noon no big new saturday not big noon saturday <laughs> it's so hard to keep track of everything but they did big new saturday where they launched a different school every saturday for a couple of weeks Penn State went out there and they won the big new Saturday launch competition. We sold the most gear as part of the 15 piece Penn State collection. So you can use promo code Roar Lions Roar, all one word, all caps at checkout of your first order, and you'll get 15% off. Again, that's promo code Roar Lions Roar at checkout, 15% off your first order. Thank you to Homefield. Go Hoosiers. I hope you guys play well against the Michigan Wolverines this week. Speaking of Indiana and Michigan, now that Penn State nice. is on their bye week, and we have a from ch- us. <laughs> and we have a chance to, you know, take a break here uh, as we anticipate Penn State's upcoming matchup with the Michigan Wolverines. It's a good time to, you know, take a look around the Big Ten, get a pulse, get a sense of what's going on. I know we we briefly touch on the other teams in the conference every now and then, um, but let's t- take a chance here to look around the conference and get a better sense of what's happening. And also, if something like power rankings would be something you would be interested in, please leave a comment on the video or on the podcast page, wherever you listen to, because that's something we could definitely do on YouTube. It probably wouldn't be a podcast thing, but we could definitely do it on YouTube if that's something you'd be interested in. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go through each team um, at, you know, to varying depths here. You know, we're not going to spend 20 minutes talking about like Northwestern or anything, but uh, we're just going to kind of get a pulse. We'll look at some SP ratings, see SP plus ratings, see where everyone's at and just see, see what's going on here. So um, big 10 East, let's start over on our side of the conference. Let's start with the Ohio state Buckeyes five and zero, currently ranked number two in SP plus the number one offensive ranked team and the number eight defensive ranked team. Uh, Pretty good. You know, off the cuff. Obviously, a really good football team, really deep, really talented, you know, depth at every single position. Um, but I think it's fair to say that they haven't really been tested yet. 
Like that 21-10 week one win against Notre Dame, if anything, now kind of looks more like a misstep than a signature win. Um, you know, the fact that they didn't win by more because Notre Dame just doesn't look great. Um, but, you know, they've been steamrolling teams ever since then. And, you know, with Michigan State coming up and then Iowa, they also have a bye in the next couple of weeks. I think it's fair to say that they don't actually have a test until they travel to Happy Valley to play Penn State on Halloween weekend. Um, so just kind of a, you know, it, it's kind of the same story with Ohio State every year, though. Like they steamroll everyone. They they typically play at least one tough team early on. You know, they had Oregon for a couple of years and um, obviously Notre Dame didn't turn out this year. But um, Matt, kind of what's just your general sense of what the Buckeyes have done so far? What do you think is in store for them going forward? I mean, it's hard to tell because, again, they haven't really played anybody all that impressive, especially on the road. Like they they're going to Michigan State this year, but Michigan State is, I think, the worst team in the Big Ten. Uh, and then they host uh, Iowa. So if you're going to play Iowa, yeah. you want to host them. Uh, with that being said, I think if any team not named Alabama is going to win a natty this year, probably Ohio state, which is kind of, kind of sucks for us. Um, and I mean, listen, I'm not going to hate on greatness. Ohio state's a great program. Is it annoying for me? Yeah. But I mean, winning is cool. Um, they, they look good, but I, 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 again, I think they're flawed. I think like every single college team is on October 6th. I think there are definitely flaws and I maybe feel better about that Penn state game. Um, going in the Nittany Lions favor now than I did uh, on September 1st. So let's say that Ohio State loses a game, be it to to Penn State or somebody else. Mm -hmm. What do you think is that one single flaw that brings them down? Um, It's definitely not anything offensively that I've seen yet. I think it's that, I think this Ohio State team can stop big plays, but I don't know how they will handle a long sustained drive that punches them in the mouth a lot because Ohio state's what's their strength always pass rush and their secondary. But if you have a guy like Katron Allen or Nick Singleton gaining four yards, gaining four yards, gaining four yards, 12 play 82 yard drive that eats seven minutes of clock. I don't know how they're going to react to that. And, you know, listen, it's Larry Johnson. It's Mike, uh, Mike Knowles, Jim Knowles. It's really talented coaches who I'm sure will get them right. But, there's no there's no telling what you can go through um, until you've gone through it. So I think that's a place where Penn State could maybe catch them off guard. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Michigan, also 5-0. Mm. Uh, number four in SP+, mm. the number six offense, and the number 11 defense. Mm. I think the story here, the offense is clearly better than last year. Um and different, you know, they're not, they're still definitely run heavy and run dependent, but they, I think, are a much better team with J.J. McCarthy at quarterback than Cade McNamara. And that's not to say, you know, McNamara maybe, I think, is probably the safer quarterback overall, but McCarthy is definitely more capable of greatness. Yep. Um, you know, but still, like J.J. McCarthy, 212 passing yards a game right now. Um, the offense is which basically that, which been, isn't that great. No, no, no. Yeah, it's it's really nothing when you. I mean, I don't I don't know what Sean Clifford's is offhand. I don't imagine it's much different just because they've run the ball so much. Um, but the story has really been Blake Corm. He's been in that. He's been an absolute monster. Yeah. 611 rush yards, 6.6 per carry, 10 touchdowns right now. Um, 
and Donovan Edwards was hurt a bit, so he hasn't even really been terribly involved yet, and I expect that to change. Um, and I think he's also still going to be a threat in the passing game as well. The defense, I think, is worse than last year. Um, it was hard to be bad but for them. It's still, yeah, it's still really good, and the secondary especially is a really outstanding unit. But, you know, Maryland gave them a scare. Iowa, they didn't blow them out. They let Iowa score a couple times. Like, that's not great. Um, the out-of-conference schedule was, you know, softer than Charmin toilet paper. Like, it was nothing. Like, not a sponsor. It's not a sponsor. Could be. Not a sponsor. It's just like, it's it's kind of the same story as Ohio State in a way in that they seem like they're really good, but we don't really know for sure. But the difference here is I think we've seen more cracks for Michigan than we have for Ohio State. Yeah, this is a point I'm sure I'll make throughout next week. I want to see how this Michigan team responds to trailing. It's hard to play from behind. This Michigan team has a first-time starting quarterback, and it has two first-time play callers on offense and defense. I want to see what happens when they get punched in the mouth and how they respond. Maryland gifted them seven points to open the game two weeks ago because they fumbled the opening kickoff. If Penn yep. State goes out there and scores first and says, okay, first-time offensive coordinator, okay, first-time full, full-time starter, show us what you can do. I, I really want to see how they respond to that because Corum is so good because all Michigan ever really has to do is run the clock out because they're up so early all the time. Because again, they have played maybe the three worst G5 teams in, in the nation, three of the five yeah. worst teams, uh, a Maryland team at home, which they struggled with and an Iowa team that is currently protesting offense. So I, I'm just really curious to see what happens to Michigan when they find themselves down. Because, listen, nobody leads for an entire season. That's unheard of. And I think the first team with a real threat to put Michigan behind the eight ball is going to be Penn State next weekend. So I, I will learn a lot about that team after that Michigan game, after the Penn State game, after the Michigan, whatever you want to call it. It's a Penn State podcast. It's the Michigan game for us. Yeah, and Michigan um, goes to Indiana this week, I they believe. They do. They go to um, Bloomington, a city yeah. which I am very fond of. I love Bloomington. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I think it'll be an interesting, Not I, I don't think Indiana's good, but no. I think it'll be interesting to see how um, the offense and McCarthy specifically respond to being on the road two straight weeks against a Big Ten defense. Mm-hmm. Um but it all it also is worth pointing out, you know, if we were Michigan fans, we would be lauding JJ McCarthy for being able to go into Iowa City and escape with a win. You know, it is a place yep. where you don't really care how you win. You just want to get out of there. And it wasn't a night game, right? It's it was a nooner and it was eleven AM local know, the time. crowd. Yeah, the the um and the Iowa crowd was very quickly taken out of the game because Iowa's offense because exists. Brian's parents exists. Yeah. So definitely not the same kind of environment as like a, like an Iowa night 7 PM stripe out or anything like that. You know, yeah. the same environment that Penn state's had to deal with a lot, a couple times in the last few years, but um, still good on them for getting a win. Um, speaking of Maryland, let's go over to them. Uh, they are four and one. They are the 24th ranked team in SP plus the 17th ranked offense and the 54th ranked defense. 
Talia Tungavailoa, the passing game, they're awesome. Deshaun Jones, Rakim Jarrett, Jacob Copeland, all those guys. The run game's been good. Roman Hemby, Antoine Little, Littleton the second, both uh, with uh, 369, 267 rushing yards respectively, 6.5 and 6.8 yards per carry. I think in the end, this is probably just a slightly leveled up version of last year's team. Like, I don't think there's anything all that different necessarily, but you know, a slightly leveled up version of last year's Maryland team is a pretty good football team. Like this is a team that's going to score They're, I mean, they put up what, what, uh, what was the final score against Michigan? 24, 17, I think. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. It might've so, been 32. Like, they're going to, actually. that sounds, yeah, that yeah, sounds more right. Pull it up. They're, they're going to score. They're probably not going to have a Sterling game on defense, but their defense isn't a disaster. Like, this is a pretty good football team. I, you got to respect them. Yeah. Um, eight win Maryland seems reasonable, I think. I mean, they host Purdue this week. I think Purdue will win that one. I think I think people are really undervaluing Purdue because of how badly they underperformed against an undefeated Syracuse team. Um, and they're struggling yeah. at home with a G5 team, uh, even though they had a backup quarterback in. Uh, but they can beat Indiana. They're going to beat Northwestern. They can go to Wisconsin. I'm curious what that looks like. They come to Penn State and they host Ohio State. But I mean, seven and five, eight and four seems seems on the table, which is pretty good for Maryland. As again, they're a team that's really going to benefit when the divisions go away, and I think become a, a pretty pretty respect respectable program in the Big Ten pretty soon. Yeah, back to back bowl seasons for Maryland would be a really nice accomplishment for them. Mm-hmm. Um, their recruiting has continued to be solid and gets better, better every, every year. So, uh, you know, that program's not in a bad spot. I, I would, I'm not particular as a fan of an opposing team. I'm not particularly thrilled to see them doing what they're doing. Um, but it's a fun team. You know, it's it, it is. objectively it is a fun team to watch. Do you have, do you have any qualms with Maryland as a whole? Like, are you, are you a super anti, I know you're a Jersey guy. Um, so I know you go back to like the Maryland ACC days with how you were growing up with like, I guess, Rutgers question mark. I don't know who your team was back then, but I mean, like- I didn't have it. I, I truly, truly did not care about college football until I got to Penn state. Um, I, I got wrapped up in 2007 Rutgers, same as everyone else in New Jersey did. That was a lot of fun, but, um, I honestly, truly, I, I, I barely think about Maryland. It's just not, <laughs> not, not a team I care about really. Um, yeah, I very, very, they're like the Tennessee Titans to me. Like, I forget they exist sometimes. They're just kind of nothing for me. So, um, speaking of teams that are flawed, but maybe interesting, let's talk about Indiana. Three and two. Mm. SP Plus rated the 83rd ranked team, offense 92, defense 73. I Like, I don't think they're good, but I don't, like I don't, I, I I struggle to say that they're like necessarily an automatic win just because I I don't I don't think a Tom Allen team is ever going to not play hard. So I think you have to respect them in that regard. Um, you know they beat Illinois week one, which looks more impressive now than it yep. did then. Um, but then they lost to Nebraska, which is uh, bad, big big bad. yikes. Um, bad. <laughs> Sean Shivers, Cam Camper, those are good players team overall though just it's not great yeah i mean i'm not really thinking about indiana all that much i'll be honest watch me say that and then they jump up and bite penn state but 
It's uh, they, <laughs> they use their voodoo. I think they're going to come back down to earth, but they will be above Michigan State in the Big Ten East standings this year uh, because, again, Michigan State is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> Yes, and we do have one more team to get to before Michigan State because that's how I made the list because Michigan State is garbage. Rutgers, 3-2, and two, SP, SP Plus, Rutgers. the number 77, 77 overall team. The offense is 103. They've had a lot of quarterback issues and injuries. Uh, but the defense, number 42, defense is solid. Uh, 282 yards a game, 23.6 points allowed per game, and that's even after losing 49-10 to Ohio State. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's good. <laughs> that's It's a good defense. It's a good Greg Schiano defense. Yep. Um, and, you know, my take here is that I think they get to a bowl game. They've got three wins now, and I think they could very easily beat um, any or all of Nebraska, Indiana, Sparty, Maryland. Then they're all still ahead for him. So I think we could very easily be talking about bowl-bound Rutgers here. Chiano does a good job there. He's he's the perfect yeah. guy to coach Rutgers, and good for Rutgers. I, I Again, I think, you know, I have a soft spot for Rutgers. I have some family who went there and played there. Um, so good, good for Rutgers. I hope that uh, they cap out as a six-win program. <laughs> And now let's talk about the Big Ten East's problem child of the year. Michigan State Spartans, two and three, the number 37 ranked. This is objectively the funniest team in college football. (laughs) Number 37 ranked uh, team by SP Plus, the number 32 offense, the number 41 defense. I should remind you, we are only going into week six here. So preseason projections are baked into SP Plus numbers, still a good amount, which is surely propping up this horrific, embarrassing football team. Uh, my notes here, I wrote, bleh, gross, ugh. Smacked by Washington, a loss that looks worse now considering the Huskies went and got their asses handed to them by UCLA. Go Bruins. Um, they got destroyed by Minnesota. It wasn't that bad on the on the the in the box score, but they got manhandled by Minnesota, um, who then went out and lost to Purdue. Who knows who's good, especially in the West. Um, and then they were beaten soundly by Maryland. Peyton Thorne has an 8-6 to six touchdown interception ratio, like, just not a good football team. No, they're bad. Uh, Mel Tucker uh, really, really finessed them. Uh, man, I don't know how. I don't know how anybody thought that was a worthwhile investment, fully guaranteed. Um, <laughs> I don't wish for anybody to fail, but I mean, it, it, if you're going to spend big boy money, learn how to spend it properly. Michigan State. I think that's what we <laughs> learned here. Michigan State's still new to the big boys of college football, and I think this is a lesson that they had to learn the hard way that maybe this isn't the best idea. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, Tucker got so much praise last year for working the transfer portal so wonderfully, which to be clear, he did like getting Ken Walker in there. You know, they did a great job, but the problem is that now everybody's kind of using the transfer portal really well. So it's not something that can differentiate you as much anymore. Yeah. Um, you got to do all the other things right too. And they're just not, they're not doing that right now. And speaking of teams not doing things right, the Big Ten West is currently a six-way tie for first in the division. And how many Everyone teams are in that division one again, record. Nick? Uh, there are seven. Oh, imagine being yeah. the team that's not competing. Or yeah. What's one game yeah. And I, I assume you know which that team is that's in last place in the West right now. Um, I honestly don't know offhand. Is, is it Wisconsin? That would be 0-2 Wisconsin. Hey, good for yeah. me. Sorry, Paul Christ. Yeah. Um. We are not going to talk about all these teams. I, I literally wrote one word summaries here, so we're just going to kind of roll through them quickly here, and then I'll get your full thoughts on okay. you know the the division as a whole. Uh, Northwestern, 
89th ranked SP plus team offense 110 defense 60 their story they can't score Nebraska SP ranked uh, SP plus ranked 63 uh, number 50 offense number 74 defense my note there is lol Purdue number 25 in SP plus (laughs) offense is 34 defense is 20 a good team but a snake bit team they've gotten some really bad luck at times Um, Illinois SP plus ranked overall 44 offense is 88 defense is nine maybe the best team in the West Minnesota SP plus number 10 still, but the offense is now down to 43. The defense is all the way up at three, just kind of really unclear with them. Um, their schedule was nobody. Yeah. Their schedule was maybe slightly better than Michigan's, but still horrible. And their best win right now is probably the aforementioned disaster. That is Michigan state. Iowa SP ranked overall 29. The offense is 93. The defense is number one, perhaps the most extreme half team in football we have ever seen. My note here is they are the same as they always are, but to an even extremer degree. And then Wisconsin 33 overall in SP plus offense 67 defense is 14. The only thing I'll say here is I wouldn't be surprised to see them get a little, uh, new coach or interim coach, whatever you want to name it, uh, bump. And, you know, maybe, you know, it's possible that maybe Paul Christ was kind of holding back Bobby Engram's offense from being more diverse. So maybe with Jim Leonard in charge now, he lets Engram open things up a bit more. Maybe we see a slightly different Wisconsin. Um, But, I mean, they ran for two yards last week against Illinois. So bad. The there's only room to go up for them. So, Matt, what are your just kind of general thoughts about this train wreck of a division? I'll do the same thing because the rundown was actually pretty fun to listen to. Um, Northwestern, (laughs) bad. We'll not see them in the Big Ten title game if we make it. The new Ryan Field drawings that just came out look really cool. I'm excited for that new venue to come out. Uh, Nebraska, uh, you better hope that Wisconsin doesn't hire Lance Leifold first because if you get him, I think he will build you into a 10-win team again, which you do not deserve after what you did to Bo Pelini. Um, I'm forgetting the teams already. Uh, Illinois, uh, Bert's pretty funny, but turns out they'll, they'll fire him after six years of 10 wins. It's yeah. fine. Uh, Bert, uh, at Illinois, uh, I'll be honest, Bert's a really funny coach just to have, um, but he's really good at coaching football. Um, Iowa, if you want to be successful, have your dad be successful first. Looking at you, Brian Ferentz, uh, Minnesota, PJ Fleck is going to wear people out very quickly with how badly this is about to turn. I think, uh, again, I am very scared that the Kirk Shiraka bowl in happy Valley turns ugly because that would be an insufferable week on the internet. If Penn state loses that game, um, am I missing? Who am I missing? Um, uh, do you say Purdue? No, Purdue, uh, really like them this year. I would love for them to win the West. Uh, because I think Jeff Brom may be Louisville bound sooner rather than later, just by nature of what that program looks like it could be. Um, and then Wisconsin, again, hire Lance Leipold if you're smart. Uh, if you want to keep doing the same thing you did for the past 30 years, I don't know, maybe extend Jim Leonard. I think he'd actually be pretty good, but is pretty good. Still nine wins for you, probably. Probably. Um, let's. I'm going to ask you two questions here. One, I hear him. Um, Let's say Penn State wins the Big Ten East. Who would you prefer? That is a realistic option. Who would you prefer to play from Uh, the West? I don't like repeating opponents. So I I think Purdue would be fun, but I I don't want to see it again. I think Illinois would be... Illinois is probably the most realistic, and I'd like revenge, I'll be honest, after what happened last year. I think it would be not fun to play, but I... That Illinois game is going to go down as, as the worst game I've seen Penn State lose of my fandom, I think. 
nine overtimes with a superiorly talented team in Happy Valley. Um, yeah, I, I, I want revenge, so I'd like to see Illinois. Also, it would be very funny for all of the hype a lot of programs got this year if the teams that meet in Indy are Penn State and Illinois. I think that would be really funny. It would be great to see just a week of like hype for a championship game where all the clips are from a nine overtime rain game in Happy Valley. Yeah, honestly, I don't remember. I don't even remember what the score was at this point. Um, okay, second question: Who do you think is most realistic to win the West? Where's the Purdue Illinois game at? Whatever the home team is in that one, I think we'll win it. It's at Illinois. Illinois. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I I think I agree. I um Yeah, that's, I don't know. that's, it could very that's easily... the correct tone to take to the Big Ten West. <laughs> it could very easily still be Minnesota, I think. Um I'm not sold. I'm not sold. I don't yet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They they have probably the best run game in the in the division right now, and that's really might be all you need to win it. So it, it could be Minnesota. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Weird division. Um, gross division. But... Eliminate divisions. <laughs> eliminate divisions, please. Um, but yeah. So, you know, Penn State's going to have their chance to take on a whole bunch of these teams in the coming weeks. You know, in the next three weeks ahead, we obviously have the bye week right now, but we have uh, Michigan on the road and then home against Minnesota, Ohio State. We're going to learn all we need to learn about Penn State and kind of where they rank in the hierarchy of the conference uh, come October's end. And then hopefully, hopefully, we get at least two wins out of those three weeks. And then November is just a, a nice calm ride to the finish line where and hopefully is. that finish line is in Indianapolis. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I think that about does it for today's episode of the podcast. Uh, thanks as always for listening. Uh, please make sure to like and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Leave us a five-star review and a comment if you can on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow us on YouTube as well. We have a, you know, it's, it's a fun little commenting community we've got going on on YouTube. It's been good conversation. Only a couple of uh, spam comments that I've had to delete. So, you know, oh, we're you in a good place those? overall. I was wondering where those were. Oh, I was yeah. going to respond to a couple of them. Oh, yeah. No, no. They get deleted right away. Yeah, <laughs> um, we got to got to keep the comment section pure. And, you know, I will say the one thing about the comment section. Some of you are being way too nice to Matt right now. And I need you to, you know, dial it back a little bit. Don't let him get a big head. We're talking about this Matt here, not not Matt to bear. Yeah, um, nobody says nice don't, things about evil Matt. Don't don't let flip thick that he's you know on top of the world or anything. Keep him keep him humble. We gotta gotta rein him in here a bit. Um, but as always, <laughs> thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on your podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at RLR Blog. Follow us on Instagram Roar Lions Roar. All that good stuff. And uh, we'll be back probably on uh, on Monday with a. I don't know what we'll talk about on Monday. We'll find out. We'll see. Maybe something interesting will happen this weekend of the Big Ten, and we'll have a good talking point. Um, but, you know, definitely tune in next week as well as we get loaded up for the trip to Ann Arbor. Should be a fun one. Um, but once again, for myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Matt Filipovitz, thanks for listening. Go State. Go State.